We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word, a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steve and I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia always and forever and good try, Missouri. Good try. There is no try. Hey, I have a question other than what's the good word to start this podcast out. Is this what hope really feels like? It's it's something, it's a feeling, Stephen. It's a feeling I haven't felt in a long time. It is a feeling I haven't felt in five years. It's a presence I haven't felt it, since. So, so we, and then you walk out of the room. Walk out of the yeah. room. Yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't work on the podcast. Well, that was what I was going for. Ah. Can't see the facial expressions of, the, of Vader anyway. <laughs> They're tech fans. They'll get the reference. We also can't hear the sound except of his cape scraping against the floor. All right. That's 30 seconds. You'll never get back. What you will get back is our talk about all things Georgia Tech athletics. We are going to start with the football team. We are going to move to the volleyball team. We're going to talk some golf. I don't even I don't we're going to maybe put push the recruiting news off a week and we are going to wrap up the show and talk about the basketball team. Yes, the men's basketball team is off to their first game Joshua and I attended in person. Women also started their season too. They did. We'll, we'll have to mention that. We'll have to talk about that. They them. deserve just as much shine. We did not we did not go to that game. Sorry ladies. Uh we'd like to come see you play sometime. But anyway, we are going to we're going to get through a lot of stuff and for the first time in the history of this podcast, which is I believe episode 53, it seems to be almost all good news. It seems to be. At least well, better news. Ish. Ish. Yeah, we'll better, get into it. Better news. The, the, the better than bad, right? Yeah. Let's get right to it. The football team secured their second win in a row, their second ACC win in a row. The football team now stands at a 5 and 4 over 500 record for the first time since CPJ was coach. Ooh, baby. I Because I, I don't think Jeff ever won the first game. I don't think so. Yeah, he who is not going to be named. Sorry I named him. We, we've we never been above 500 since CPJ. Not this only. is what hope feels like. And we got a long way to go, I know. But I'm just trying to enjoy it for a moment. So let's all sit back. Let's all take a night. Get your Get your favorite beverage. Might be coffee, hot chocolate, maybe a bourbon. I don't know. Pour that beverage. I'll wait a second. And we're going to sit back and we're going to enjoy the professional sportscaster recap of our fan and co-host, Joshua. Well, Stephen, they did play Virginia. They did win Georgia Tech in Virginia, which is something that we mentioned. Tech has not done a lot in the last um, like 15, 20 years. It has been a tough place for Georgia Tech to play. Now, going in, Virginia was 2-6, and six, but they had played a lot of teams very, very close. They had even beaten UNC before Georgia Tech beat UNC. So they were not a team to be trifled with. Uh, there was a, I don't want to call it luck because it's always bad when someone gets hurt, 
but Georgia Tech did kind of dodge a bullet. Um, uh, Virginia's normal starter, I believe it's Tyler Musket. Mm. He went down very early in the game. He only com- uh, attempted two passes for 11 yards. So the v- Virginia Cavaliers were forced to go to their backup um, on short notice, which if you watch the Falcons, isn't necessarily a, um, a guaranteed yeah, way to win considering that Georgia Tech not, or the Falcons not only lost to a quarterback who was the backup, but also lost to a quarterback. Hey, happy thoughts, happy results. Forget the Falcons. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting my own um, insecurities onto this team. But anyway, um, I'm trying to pull up the name because I want to get the full name. I don't want to like miss, miss say the kid's name. I don't care. I do. He was the Virginia quarterback. Care. Anthony Colandrea, he came in for Tony Musket. Tony Musket. Um, and so Georgia Tech took advantage as they should have. Winning the game 45-17. to 17. Uh, When you look at the play-by-play, the first quarter, Georgia Tech was down because Georgia Tech does not apparently play well in four first quarters. They went down 7-3. to three. Um, The second quarter was all Georgia Tech. They had a touchdown with 8.47 in the quarter, and then they had another touchdown with 233, a 34-yard touchdown from Haynes King. This was the second touchdown, rushing touchdown of the day, by the way. And then they also had a 33-yard touchdown from Dante Smith about two minutes later. So they went in down 7-3. to They came out up 24-10. And Georgia Tech did not look back from there. They only added 7 to their lead in the third quarter on a 58-yard touchdown to Eric Singleton. Because why not? It's not a Georgia Tech game if Eric Singleton is not doing something amazing. Uh, And then in the fourth quarter, you had Georgia Tech adding uh, two other touchdowns. Well, Virginia had one to make it 45-17. to 17. When you look at the stats for the game, Haynes King, 23 of 30, 208 yards and a touchdown. Um, that was not where he made his most impact. His biggest impact was on the ground, seven attempts for 83 yards and two touchdowns. But the one-two punch at running back that we have seen, we saw last week and we saw this week again, Jamal Haynes and Dante Smith. Golly. Ooh, man. Jamal Haynes, 17 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. And then you had Dante Smith, 15 for 78 and two touchdowns. So you even got Evan Dickens in the game later uh, at the end, three carries for 15 yards. So the young kids, Zach Pyron also got in the game. Um, and the less we talk about him and the way he threw the ball, the better. There was some bad throws, but either way. Um, Eric Singleton, five catches for 80 yards. And then just a lot of other people getting a couple ones. Um, Brett Scyther had one catch for seven yards. It did not go for not a touchdown. Not a touchdown. So four, four, four six, six catches, six, hey, four touchdowns. Scyther, your percentage is going down. Let's go. Get, get good, on the, kid. Get on the ball. Um, get in the end zone. Again. On defense, leading tackler was Kyle Effort, the freshman linebacker. He was playing a lot of special teams, I noticed, so I don't know how much of it comes from there. But um, you also had an interception from Jalen King, a, a an impressive interception from Jalen King. I believe you also correctly. had a fumble recovery as well. They they stripped the quarterback in the first half. I thought he came up with it. Could be wrong. Keenan Johnson had a forced fumble. Um, Miles Sim had an interception. Sims had an interception. Yes, Miles Sims did pass. have an interception. Um, you also had sacks from Daquan Douse and Kyle Kennard. Kyle Kennard almost had another sack, but he grabbed the face mask which was an unfortunate instance. You also had tackles for loss from Eddie Kelly, Zeke Biggers, um, the aforementioned Kyle Kennard. So a so, good day from the Jackets. Yeah. Uh, 305 rushing yards for the team. Yeah, I, listen, for the second game in a row, Georgia Tech showed what they look like when they play good. It wasn't perfect. They certainly have more room to improve, but 
there was a lot more good than bad on both sides of the ball. The defense played enough. The offense, when the offense plays great, they're going to put up, they're going to give themselves a chance to put up a ton of points. And so the defense just needs to get some stops. They took care of an inferior ACC opponent. An inferior ACC opponent who who plays within themselves and is a tough team and is not a pushover, but they are an inferior opponent, and we beat them. We beat them handily, and we beat them on their home field. Oh, my goodness, another ACC road win. Yeah, that puts Georgia Tech at 4-2 and in the conference. Um, They are 2-3 and at home, 3-1 and on the road. They are road warriors. And they're like fourth in the conference. Georgia Tech is third. Third. They are a game behind Louisville. Although it would probably be, I guess, a game and a half because yeah. Louisville holds, holds the tiebreaker. Tie yeah. So all I'm saying is there's a chance. Louisville would have to collapse and Tech would have to play fantastically for the rest of the season. But Georgia Tech does have two more ACC games on the schedule. They play Clemson this week at Clemson. It's going to be a very tough game. I know Clemson is 5-4, and 2-4 four, and four in the conference, but they're 4-1 and one at home. And they just demolished Notre Dame. Uh, made them look silly. And then they play Syracuse. Syracuse is the worst team in the ACC. They're 0-5 so far in the conference. Uh, the Georgia game won't necessarily count towards the rankings because it's more about conference record than it is anything else. Um, and the more important question is who does Louisville have, right? Because that if somehow, some way, Tech may or may not make the ACC championship game. So there's here, at least an outside are, shot. Here we are in the first week of November with two ACC games left, three games overall, and we actually are saying there's a chance that Tech gets in the ACC championship. Can we say now that this team is doing about, I mean, because yes, their record is only five and four because they had two horrible losses, but they have won some amazing games to, and and their ACC record is above 500. Yes, no, it's been a great, it's been a very good season. It's been a, it's been about as good as we could hope to this point. Yes. With with a wow. couple of embarrassing losses and a cup and a miracle and a couple of really good wins. I say, as good as possible yeah. would be we take care of business in the games we're supposed to win. Right. And we're we're um we seven think, and we're seven and two yeah. right now. But, but it is what it is. It, that's what this team is. It's a roller coaster ride. I saw someone on Facebook come and we said this last week. They were commenting about, you know, if only we could win the games we're supposed to win. I'm like, look, I would of the two choices of he who won't be named and we're embarrassing ourselves and we still have a couple of embarrassing games, but boy, we've had a couple of things to be happy about and excited and teams rank beating ranked teams and winning road ACC games. If those are my only two choices, because that's where I, I would much rather have this. And to be honest, I'd much rather have this than the Chan Gailey we beat who we're supposed to beat and, and lose to who we're supposed to lose to, because that gets boring. At least this team is exciting in some way. So anyway, I, that's my fandom speaking. For the out. for the record, Louisville's last two ACC games are against Virginia and then um, at Miami. So, so we need them to lose both. We need them to lose both. Come on, Virginia. The, the odds are not in <laughs> and, our favor. And we have to win both. But here's that. Okay, all that. Put all that aside because what matters is we're playing Clemson in Clemson. Clemson has embarrassed us the last couple of years. They ran up the score and Dabo was laughing at us on the sideline. So, of course, I want us to win, but I want this team 
to show up and show them that we're not pushovers anymore. I want them to stand their ground and I want them to play tough and I want them to play well. And then if the result on the scoreboard doesn't match what I want, at least I can say we're back and we're not a pushover anymore and we're going to fight. I want to see this team put out a third good game. You've had two in a row and you've won. Put out a third good game and if we if we and we can win on the scoreboard and if we don't, at least if there's a lot of good things to talk about, I'll be happy to talk about good things yeah, as just, this team builds. I just wanted signs of hope and I think we've gotten enough. We're there. We're there. And we ranted two weeks ago and we promised and we asked the team to show up. They have guys. I can't thank you enough. You have made it is so much fun to watch you play. Well, I also want to thank sea dog and rec talk because we are not going on their shows and now we're winning at least, but I am still supporting them. So you guys please support them too, but we won't get on their stuff until after the season again, because we apparently jinxed it. Cause when they were on our, when he was on our show, we lost to Bowling Green, and we go on their show, we lose to Boston College. So Can't do that put, again. It, put it on us. Put it on us. But we're not going to do that again. So go beat Clemson, uh, and we, we thank you for that. All right. Let's move to another piece of good news. The Georgia Tech volleyball team had a fantastic weekend. They, they were hosting number three Louisville, and Georgia Tech stung them, took them down. Georgia Tech uh, took down Louisville in four sets on Friday night. By the way, they played Notre Dame on Sunday and destroyed them in three straight sets. Notre Dame is one of the worst teams in the conference. So Georgia Tech now stands at 21-3, and 12-2 in the ACC. They took down number three Louisville at O'Keefe Gymnasium. Bianca Bertolino delivered a career best seven aces, while two ladies that we haven't spoken about yet, uh, middle blockers, Anna Boese and DeAndra Pierce combined for 17 kills as well as some blocks. Uh, that was on four, uh, 419 hitting on those 17 kills. This is the uh, highest ranked home win in program history and the second highest overall in program history. They beat number two Pitt at Pitt in 2021. This is the t- program's sixth win over a top 10 opponent, opponent in program history. Four of those six wins have come in the last three seasons. The aforementioned number two Pitt in 2021, number 10 BYU in 2022, and earlier this year against number eight Penn State. This volleyball team has beaten two top 10 teams this year. They own three top five victories. They've won two matches over top 10 ranked opponents in the same season for the first time in program history. It was the 25th consecutive sellout at O'Keefe Gymnasium. Well done, Yellow Jacket fans. And Georgia Tech has won 99 of its last, now 100 of its last 123 matches, dating back to their 2019 NIVC title. They've achieved its third straight 20-win season, the login streak since 06-09. So like I said, Bianca Bertolino, career best seven aces. And also, you know who I haven't mentioned? Who have you not mentioned, David? Tamara Oteen. She recorded her team-leading 13th double-double of the season, finishing with a team-high 11 kills and also 10 digs. A lot of other standouts from that uh, match. They won set one 26-24. They won set two 25-22. And they, uh, Louisville won set three 25-17 before Tech closed out the match 25-19 in set four. Well done for the Lady Jackets. Won a couple of really close sets. Closed out Louisville. Beat Notre Dame. 
They are now ranked number eight in the country. Go Jackets. They're coming. They're coming. Switching to golf, which will become my beat. You have your volleyball beat. I have my golf beat. So Georgia Tech, we're, this is kind of old news. It's going to be a week old by the time you hear this, in all fairness. But one, make sure I followed up on this. We talked about how Georgia Tech was in the East Lake Cup this past week, uh, which is the basically a four-team tournament that rehashes the top four from the NCAA tournament the previous year. Uh, and Georgia Tech did not get to participate in the championship match. They did have to go for the third place match, as we talked about on the last show. Uh, but we're here to let you know that they won. They won the third place match. They were third placed in the East Lake Cup. They took down number 20, Florida. Um, Georgia Tech is fifth ranked, by the way. Let's just make sure we uh, note that. Georgia Tech's golf team is fifth in the nation. Quite impressive. So they won. Uh, they got a 2-1-2 victory. I'm not 100% sure what those numbers do mean. The article doesn't mention it. But I'm going to give you the breakdown of <laughs> – Player, player by player. So Hiroshi Tai was the first player um, in his – It's basically they play against each other and they go stroke for stroke, I guess, is the best way to put it. Sounds strange. What I believe it's that? a match play format, Joshua. Joshua has not played a lot of – No, I did not. I've not played a lot of golf. Either way, um, Hiroshi Tai was able to get a 2-1 victory over yeah. Tyler Wilkes. That's a match play. Okay. So they were nodded through the 12th hole, but Tai won the 13th. And then won the, on the 15th with a par, went two up and held on. Uh, Christo Lamprecht uh, won a four and two over Ian Gilligan. You got um, nothing, Gilligan. You got never, nothing. He never trailed. Of he course. never trailed. So that means on four and two, I believe he was he was done by like hole 15. The match was over. So Tech got a half point from senior Bartley Forrester. So that means it was a draw. Against Matthew Kress. He was down one hole going on to a hole 18 Ooh. and birdied the par five and tied to tie the match. Well done. Got him a half point. Uh, freshman Carson Kim tied his match with Parker Bell um, to confirm the overall contest. And Luke Poulter finished off. Um, the stro- freshman stroke play medalist, Kale Fontenot, uh, which was the Gators' only point. So Kale Fontenot is the only one to yeah, drop. Yeah, the match was in hand at that point. Yeah, it is what it is. He was just mailing in. He was looking exactly. forward to his cold beer. Exactly. Um, so that avenged the 3-2 to two loss to the Gators in the championship. So Georgia Tech avenging some previous um, potential failures. This will be the last uh, fall-winter match. Georgia Tech does not play again until February. Mm. So now it is all practice and training and I don't want to say chilling out, but coming out of that, one little note you want to make on the individual side. Christo Lamprecht, that's right. Christo Lamprecht is, according to the NCAA, which is never wrong, um, he is the number one male golf player. Yeah, he's ranked number one individually in the nation coming out of the fall season. So congratulations, Christo. He had great uh, finishes. Put your game together and why don't you bring home an individual national uh, title for your alma mater for your school. Uh, one quick little football. Do you feel me? Do you feel him, sir? I. Uh, that's a little inside joke. Don't don't. You don't have to yeah. explain it. It's yeah, not funny. Yeah. It's not funny at all. Uh, one little football note that field reporter Stacy gave us that I think we did not make. We might have mentioned. You might have mentioned it last. Did you mention the the Burlesworth no, trophy? No, I mentioned okay. it to you in passing. Yeah. So we want to shout out Joe Fusel. Uh, he's an offensive lineman for Georgia Tech. He does a great job. He started job for every them. game this year, and I believe last year as well. I believe so. He is a finalist for the Burlesworth Trophy. The Burlesworth Trophy is a trophy that goes to the most outstanding college football player who began their career as a walk on. 
So Joe Fusil, former walk-on, now starter in the ACC, and doing an admirable job yeah. for our offensive line. Part of part of a much improved Georgia Tech offensive yeah. line. So shout out to him. I hope he wins it. Good job. I do. Uh, by the way, Joshua, we do want to give one other shout out. Both of these last stories that we talked about, you on golf and me on volleyball. Where did we get those stories? Field, field reporter Stacy. No, 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 no. I'm oh, sorry. that's right. Sorry. Not the football. Not that I'm one. sorry. sorry. The, the RamblinRec.com. RamblinRec.com. We love field reporter Stacy, but RamblinRec.com. Friend of show Kent. Exactly. Uh, RamblinRec.com, definitely a great place to go catch all your news. We collate it and try to bring it to you as best we can, but go check out their website if you ever want to know anything about tech athletics or get access to buy tickets for games, things like that. Go to RamblinRec.com. They do not pay us to say that. We also look at Sports Illustrated and Rivals and 24-7 and AJC and all that stuff. But RamblinRec.com, shout out to them. Absolutely. Let's talk basketball. I do want to start with the Lady Jackets. Okay. okay. We're going to talk about the men. We went to go see that game. But I do want to say – I do have a question right. before you hop into it. Yes. Just so I can prepare for my part of the segment. Do you want to talk about the exhibition that Georgia Tech's men's team had? Or are we just talking about the season opening? I think what we wanted to talk about with basketball is we want to kind of talk about what we like about the team heading into the season, maybe some expectations. We can talk about what we know from the exhibition and what we saw at the game and, and watched it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna leave the exhibition out then because it okay. wasn't official. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the the first game. If I have any notes from the exhibition, I have a couple that I'm gonna throw in. Um, you need to email joshuajulian26 at outlook.com and ask for Joshua's notes on the exhibition. He will email them to you with a complete breakdown and analysis of what he thought of the exhibition. For only nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> anyway, go ahead and get on with the women women's team. I just wanted to I wanted to clarify. So if you call within the, if you email within the next fifteen minutes, no, okay, I'll give you a free toaster. Uh, so the Lady Jackets are one and zero overall. They had a game Monday as well uh, against Coastal Carolina. They beat Coastal Carolina 83-53. So shout out to the Lady Jackets. They now this wait a minute. This says it was Monday, November 6th. Yeah. Yeah. That was yesterday, Steven. We went to the men played. No, the men played Sunday. No, the men played yesterday. Yeah. They might have played beforehand, Steven. That's weird. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, the Lady Jackets. Go to the box score. Hold on. I'm now now curious about this. You have intrigued me. So the Lady Jackets won 83-53. It does not mention a time. That's unfortunate. It might be on the top. Can you tell we didn't – we kind of rushed this a little bit. Game time, 11 a.m. It was at 11 a.m. I apologize. Yeah. So so there was a doubleheader at McCamish Pavilion. Ladies played at 11. Men played that night. So uh, Lady Jackets won 83-53. Do want to shout out – the man, a lot of people scored for uh, Georgia Tech. Well, with that kind of a game, I'm assuming yeah. a lot of the uh, bench players got in. So five five players in double figures, uh, mm-hmm. led by 24 points from Kayla Blackshear, uh, 20 points uh, from uh, Tony Morgan. So. Mm-hmm. Then uh, had some other stuff. We won't go into too much depth because I'm reading off a score sheet. Uh, Lady Jackets got off to a great start going We'll do better out. research next time, ladies, yeah, they, I promise. They, too, are also playing uh, – they're playing Furman uh, on Saturday at McCamish Pavilion. They also will play – their first road game will be at Rice. Uh, they've got Ken- Kennesaw State, Creighton. So they, they've got a few uh, games coming up. They are going to play Florida, Nebraska. Uh, so, you know uh, – 
clean old fashioned hate Saturday, December 16th for the Lady Jackets. Much to come. It's at Georgia, so go get them. And then they'll get into their ACC schedule. So uh, this team might be a little rebuilding. I, I don't know. I haven't done in-depth analysis, but I know they came off a decent year last year, and I know they graduated some players. So we'll see how they reload. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what, what, what they do. But let's right. talk men's basketball. Well, you want to do a recap of the game first, Stephen? Again, I hope you have your beverage. Uh, or you may have moved from hot chocolate to bourbon, or maybe you went from bourbon back to hot chocolate. Or coffee. maybe it's both at the same time. Decaf, half calf, uh, chai latte. Half we'll calf see. cannot actually be a thing. Yeah, well, that's disgusting. But what's the point? Let's all sit back and enjoy the recap of game number one of Damon Stoudemire's Georgia Tech team, which means Stephen were in attendance for. This is in person scouting at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, so Georgia Tech at McCamish Pavilion opened up their season against in-state foe Georgia Southern, coming from the Sun Belt. Um, it was a bit of a dicey game at first. Georgia Tech could not buy a basket. It could not hit a free throw. And it was not great at the beginning of the game. Um, Georgia Southern led for most of the first half. Once you got to the end of it, the Yellow Jackets took a 32-31 to 31 lead into halftime. Um so it sound they were winning, but again, they were behind for most of the game. They had a bit of a hot streak at the end, hit a couple threes, were able to close that gap and go in with a lead. The second half was where a lot of the magic happened. Uh, Georgia Tech ended up outscoring Georgia Southern 52-31, to 31, and it was very simple how they did it. Um, they're a very pick-and-roll team. They look very much like an NBA team, um, and it started to become you hit the guy in the middle who was rolling around the free-throw line, he turns, and he finds a guy wide open in the corner, and that guy was either Debo Coleman or Kowasi Reeves, and they both are just striping their three-pointers. Miles Kelly was striping some as well. Mm-hmm. And then that led to some transition opportunities. That led to Tyson Claude getting a couple layups, getting fouled in there. And Georgia Tech just ran away with the game for the final score of 84-62. to 62. Uh, Notable performers, Miles Kelly had 25 points. It was on 9 of 18 shooting, so a lot of shots to get there. Uh, and by the way, that was – I think he was – he was way he he might have missed he did two not shots start well in the second half yeah it was it was ugly to start so yes. to get to nine to eight nine of eighteen was good and then he got a lot more open threes and started to stripe them um, Kowasi Reeves in his Georgia Tech, official Georgia Tech debut had fifteen points three rebounds three assists on four of seven shooting three of five from three and four of four from the line he also had three steals on the game uh, Tyson Claude had ten and ten uh, while also adding two steals. Uh, Debo Coleman had a huge game off the bench, 17 points on five of seven shooting three of five from three, only four of seven from the line. Unfortunately, um, that's, and then other than that, you had Kyle Sturdivant with four points, eight, four, eight points, four rebounds, six assists. Um, Amari Abram had a horrific game, five points, two rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, one of four from the field, two of four from the line in stark contrast to how he played in the scrimmage. Steven, he had, 18 points, 4-4 from three. The, the the word was his shooting was great. It was not great on this game. Yeah. Um, Tafar Gapare did get hurt in the game, uh, came down awkward on a layup attempt, had to go back to the locker room, came back out, blocked a shot, and then immediately came back out of the game uh, and was not seeing the rest of the game. He had three blocks, was guarding their like 5'10 point guard for most of the time he was yeah. out there, which was really just bullying at that point. It... it it wasn't, it wasn't fair for the poor kid. Um, Ibrahim Sako, the true freshman, also saw 12 minutes of action and had four rebounds, mm. although he had a couple turnovers and was 0 of 3 from the field. Um, 
kid was kid's chisel. Yeah, he's he's, he's a beast. Um, and uh, the so Abram and Gapare each played under twenty minutes. Sturdivant and Coleman off the bench. Each played each played over twenty minutes. Sako had twelve, and then Dewongo Ebenezer Dewonu Dewongu had uh, played eight minutes. He played more in the first half. He came off briefly. He came out briefly in the second half. Got a yeah. got a cheap foul and immediately sat. I think so. I think Damon really liked what Tyson Tyson was doing yeah. in the middle, especially passing, and also he just, he seemed more comfortable handling the ball. Yeah, um, two two big no shows in this game. One who had kind of surprised in this in the exhibition mm-hmm. was Bayandango. Bayandango, yeah. Bayandango. Well, no, Bayandango didn't play. He he broke his he broke something. He was I, a cast. I thought he played. No, he played in the exhibition and had played well, and until he got hurt, You're and then check my sources here. Yeah, I, I, that's what I had heard. The other big notable uh, no show who is not playing yet is Lance Terry. Yes, uh, that showed a lot because they had so uh, they had Abram Bayandango did not play okay. in the exhibition. Against I Clark apologize. Atlanta. He it was Gapari had the was the one that gotten hurt. He had hurt had a leg injury. He warmed up for the second half, but did not return in the exhibition. In the exhibition, and here he has a leg yeah. injury. Well, in the open I mean, game. the kid's six nine, and he's all arms and legs. Um, hopefully, he's okay. It, they looked like they were working on the quad, um, lower quad, right around the yeah. knee area. Hopefully, it's nothing Ooh, serious. Doctor J. Well, I was watching. I mean, I was watching on the bench. <laughs> wanted to make sure he was my favorite player to watch. It was like it was like a baby deer. So I was going to make the point that with Lance Terry not playing, uh, Amari Abram bringing the ball up, he he needs to find that role a little bit. So I think that's why Sturdivant got a lot of minutes. He's he can kind of handle that and and did I'd, I'd be surprised if well. Sturdivant doesn't end up a starter because he had eleven assists in yeah. the, in the exhibition, yeah, and he had six tonight. I mean, when Kyle was out there, it the offense looked so much better, yeah, because it looked like a point guard. I love Amari Abram, but Amari Abram is more of a combo guard in that he can make a pass like on the move. He had a couple plays where when he got the ball and he kind of got to either spot up or go, he looked a lot more comfortable than running like a pick and roll. All right. So what did you like about the team and what and or what? <coughs> Excuse Bless me. you. 20, 29 minutes. Take that out. Yeah. No, uh, we're going to keep it in. Oh, great. So what did you like and what? Before we get too excited, it was a win over Georgia Southern. What what did you see that you went, okay, this is going to what's gonna make it tough in the ACC? I like the length from the team. Um, it's a lot of long guys. I mean, Kowasi Reeves is a is a legitimate small forward, which is nice. Um, Miles Kelly is still long. He's a little skinny, but he did have um, two steals on this game himself. Abram plays a lot taller than he – Yeah, Abram's got some long arms. He's a little skinny, but, again, I mean, if you get him out there and kind of put him in a ball hawk, um, Kyle Sturdivant's a bulldog. Debo Coleman's a bulldog. You know, you've got Gapare, Sacco, Claude. They've, they're they're all plus wingspan guys, and they all are relatively comfortable. Georgia Tech did have ten steals on the game, yeah. so I like. It looked like they were getting their hands in there, kind of causing some problems. Um, I think that this team is going to be a much better jump shooting team than we've ever seen yes. at Georgia Tech. They shot forty five percent. Not ever you've ever seen that, that I've ever seen in my you know the, the yeah. experience with Brian Gregory and Josh Pasner where floor spacing is we have one guy that shoots 33%. Right. Um, I mean, Kowasi Reeves has a nice-looking stroke. Debo Coleman's always going to have a role. He's a shooter. Miles Kelly's a shooter. Abram is a shooter. He just did not have a good shot today. And Tyson Claude looked like he was comfortable shooting out there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how effective he'll be, but he at least was willing to fire away. 
Uh, Sturdivant's always good for at least one or two when he gets hot. Really, really only non-shooters are really Sacco and Ebenezer. And then, you know, maybe Gapare. Gapare looks like he's willing to do anything on a basketball court. I just don't know if he's right. at the point where he should be doing everything on a basketball right. court. Right. But, um, no, the, 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 the length and the um, outside shooting looked yeah. a lot better than what I've, I've normally seen. Okay. What concerns you? We only have one point guard, and that one point guard, I love him. He's he's really only a floor raiser. Uh, there's only so far you can go with Kyle Sturdivant as your lead guard. I don't can't Lance Terry be a backup point? Guard? I don't know if guard? Lance is a lead guard. Lance, I always kind of viewed Lance as more of a similar to Amari Abram. He's more of a pure scorer who is better when he his he's either driving or kicking when he's having to run the whole offense. I feel like he's a little overextended. He's better as okay. spot up and then either and then pump fake and go. Right. So similar to Kowasi, unfortunately, similar to potentially. I hope Amari gets there. He is young. Yeah. But you know, we'll, we'll see. So here's here's what I like. I'm with you. I I like the length. We're not super tall, but we are super long, and mm-hmm. we've got a lot of guys between six six and six nine who most of them have long wing wingspans. Yeah. I think we showed a lot of toughness. Um, past, it was a chippy game. <laughs> it was a chippy game. There were two sets of double technicals, uh, five overall, three to Georgia Southern and two to us on players. And we, I, I think we're going to be very, I think we've got a chance to be kind of tough. I saw a lot of good fundamental boxing out, uh, things I hadn't seen a lot from before. So there was a lot of protect the rim, yeah. build build a wall. They and, did only have seven them, offensive rebounds. Yeah, Georgia keep, Southern. keep them out. So I, I like that. I'd like to see that continue. Um, there's no question that this team is going to play an NBA style of of pick and and dive to the middle, uh, get the ball to the middle, and then dish. You know, drive and dish. It's going to be a lot of drive and dish. Joshua talked about them throwing to the high post. There's going to be a ton. Uh, I saw a ton of off the wing drive and then dish to the other side and a lot of the extra pass that you see a lot in the NBA. So I I think there's a this this team will go far if we shoot well. And if we have a bad shooting night, it could be a very long night. Here's what concerns me. We play Georgia Southern and I didn't really see a lot of one on one skill, which is what we didn't have. We've never really had under Passner. We usually had one guy. It was Okogi, or it was yeah. you know Miles had it uh, some, and but I, I just I didn't see a hey let me break this guy down. Now I'm okay with that if the team moves if you have other movement, but if you're going to spot three or four guys up around the three point line and wait for the drive to dish, if you're not driving effectively and you're never getting that shot off, that could be a problem. So some of it. I don't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. You're not. Some of it was the way that Southern was playing the ball screen. They I agree. Were very, they were aggressively trying to trap the point guard mm-hmm. and very much like, I don't know if the word hedge, that might be the right word for it, um, or ice, I guess, would be yeah. the right one. They were they were aggressively doing that, and they had somebody rotating down to cover the the middle guy. So it was very hard for like Sturdivant to see when he's got this, the 6'10 guy kind of yeah. blitzing him. If a team is more drop coverage, I think we'll start to see a little bit more potentially. It depends on like who you're playing. Fair. I will say it was funny. We talked about their rough first half. One of the things I kept saying that I saw over and over again is in that first half, they weren't getting the ball yeah. to the middle. They, they so did not adjust well. To the- shout out to Damon and what he switched. 
because the the coaching staff gets gets credit because they came out and everything went through the yeah. middle and everything opened yeah. up. It was always sturdy of him that was getting it there. I, I loved Amari, but the moment he kind of came around and like he didn't have space to go forward, it was like crap. What do I do now? Yeah. And so I, I'm hoping that that changes with time. Again, I think he's in a was kind of asked to play a role that he's not used to playing. Yep. Necessarily, especially when he was at Ole Miss, um, he's always kind of been more of a scorer. Um, but the problem is we've got other guys like that in the starting lineup. So if he's going to be the starting point guard, he's going to have to become more of a passer. I think that that'll hopefully will he'll get better with time. It was a bunch of kids playing together for the first time. Right. You know, you've got like three guys coming back from last year and then a whole bunch of other kids coming from all different sections of America. So, so we got, so as this show is being published, we got one more game this week against Howard. We got another game, uh, next week. That's kind of a tune up before playing Cincinnati on the 22nd, which will be kind of our first, you know, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's a good team, Cincinnati, Mississippi state. And then you, you start Number with two Duke. Duke. So, uh, before clean old fashioned hate on December 5th. So, so we got a couple more tune up games uh, before we really get into the meat of the schedule and it's going to be a tough schedule. The ACC schedule this year is going to be difficult. And I, I don't know what everybody else's expectations are. So much like the football team, I want to see this team find an identity and I want to see this team be rootable, right? What I saw in this game, I saw rootable players. I saw much more athleticism, a deeper bench. There's a lot of interchangeable parts. I think Abram having a bad shooting night. Okay. Next man up. Coleman had a great shooting night. And and I think it's going to be kind of find the hot hand. Uh, I very much liked our team defense. Uh, We were not, we were not all scheme like Josh used to run. It was just nose. We played a lot of man to man, and then we kind of threw a zone at them, and they were like they they were lost. So I think this is going to be a heavy man to man team, and we'll just kind of see how they have to play. It could be a long season, but hopefully this team grows and makes themselves rootable. And I would say at this point, very early in the season, way too early prediction. I hope we're in the middle of the pack. You know, I hope <laughs> we're fighting for a 500 record in the ACC. I hope we're fighting for an NIT berth. Yeah, well, I, you know, stranger things have happened. No, yeah, if a absolutely. team gets hot and they find their identity and come together, stranger things have happened. There is talent. There's yeah. no question and luckily, about that. We're, we're, we're doing this in the ACC. It's still, you know, it's a, it's a decent conference. It's not the best. It's not the powerhouse it used to be. Louisville is um, absolutely yeah. horrendous. Notre Dame is, is going down to a bare studs rebuild. Florida State. I believe in Leonard Hamilton, but they don't have the same talent that they normally do. And then, I mean, teams like Syracuse, Virginia. Well, Virginia has always got the defense, but Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, uh, Pitts losing a ton of production. It it could be a season where we could find ourselves toward the top half. The only if, thing I'm saying about the play. ACC, the only thing that's for sure about them is that nothing's nothing. for sure. All right, Sting. Except that you know Duke has a bunch of talented freshmen. Hey, uh, let us know what you think. Give us your prediction. Tell us we're nuts and that you think Georgia Tech is going to be in the Final Four. Or tell us we're nuts and you think Georgia Tech is going to be at the bottom of the ACC. Joshua Julian, 26 at Outlook.com is the way to reach us. We want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, We continue to blow last year's numbers out of the water. And that is all because of you guys and telling people about the, the podcast. Thank you for that. We're sorry we went long, but we had it's an overlap. It's the football basketball overlap. We'll try to keep it to uh, not too crazy of a length of time. But, you know, when you get a Tech alum and a Tech fan together, things just start getting crazy, and we have a lot of opinions, and we have a lot of thoughts. And Plus, we understand you're driving to your, your skyscraper job in the city of Atlanta. And the rush hour traffic is pretty crazy. So 
And when you're doing that, just remember one very, very important question. Joshua, what's that question? What's the good word?